welcome to The Mariner with me, Chris Stanmore-Major. And this week I'm going to be discussing something which I guess has come out of our previous discussions. You know, the last 17 podcasts, give or take a few, I've been talking about a very particular time in my life doing the Round the World uh, event. Um, somebody said to me, why don't you do podcasts about the preceding event, the Round the World uh, with crew on the Clipper race, but I have to be absolutely honest, I don't think I could populate uh, very many podcasts with the memories that I have of that event because so little of it remains in my mind. And I, and I know because I've already analyzed this internally and tried to work out why don't you remember any of this, um, it just ended up kind of completely eclipsed by what came next. And that is something which is really frustrated me over time uh, that I can't remember that much about it, but it's also got me to question what's going on internally and, you know, how the brain works and how we process things and how we make sense of the world around us. And then once that's done, how we look back on it and how we view it. And I think that is something which I've become very interested in. How can one 10-month event render almost no memories in my mind, and yet the 10-month event which came directly after it um, obviously has so much for me to say. So that's something I'm very interested in. The other thing that's very interesting for me as I look forward to going and doing this kind of event again, and I start to really you know, look back and analyze and question the things that happened to me last time, my question is, did I enjoy it? Like, did I actually enjoy doing that thing or have I been telling the story in such a way that makes it seem rose tinted or, you know, where exactly is my feelings towards this thing? Where are my feelings towards this thing? Am I about to go and throw myself into a huge task, which is not without its dangers? And actually, I'm going to be throwing myself into something that I uh, don't want to do. So. The thing that I boiled it down to is that I have many, many memories of doing the event, doing the solo around the world thing, and time seeming to pass very, very slowly. Um, and then I'm also aware, as I'm now 42, that time seems to be passing very, very quickly or quicker in my everyday life. Like it petrifies me that it's going to go any quicker than it does now. Like days will be a snap if it goes any faster. So I got a couple of things in there which I want to discuss that I did some research on. And it's how we perceive memories, how they're encoded, and our uh, awareness of time. We have uh, a sense of time, which is actually one of our senses. It's not quite the same as um, our sense of smell or touch or feel, which has got particular receptors and has particular um, parts of the brain that light up. But this awareness of time, <clears throat> this chronoception, is something which undoubtedly, as humans, we can do. We can be aware of the passage of time. We can sense the passage of time. And yet within that, we make loads of errors. So let's dive into that. Let's have a look at what exactly this is all about, the perception of time and the way that memories are laid down. And here is my underlying principle throughout this. And, you know, I did all sorts of research and I was looking at, well, can I talk about this and how can I connect it to sailing? I do try and connect things to sailing like once in a while, but... I ended up watching a YouTube video by a fantastic YouTuber I've watched a lot called Veritasium. And he has videos between five and 20 minutes that go over all sorts of science-based and psychology-based and anthropological and all sorts of interesting things you can dive in. But his research is excellent. His presentation is excellent. And uh, you, you should check that out, Veritasium, on, uh, on YouTube. But in one of them, he was talking about the conclusions he had come to through his research about what is the best way to slow down time and really kind of savor life? And he said this, the best way to have a long life is to scare yourself, take up extreme sports, get into accidents and intersperse it with periods of extreme boredom. And when I heard that, <laughs> like a light bulb went on in my head. I'm like, that's sailing. That's exactly sailing. Scare yourself, 
take up extreme sports, get into accidents, and intersperse it with periods of extreme boredom. I thought that is <laughs> that is what I do. So let's talk at it from that point of view. As the title says, do sailors have the possibility to live the longest, fullest lives? I think they do. So listen in and let's have a see if you agree with me. So the question of Let's start first with the perception of time. And if, you know, I think most of the people that listen to this podcast are probably north of 30, north of 40. If you're between 30 and 40, let me tell you, time's about to start speeding up. So <laughs> do what you can. If you're north of 40, as I am, I think you're probably aware of the fact that things seem to be going a little bit quicker. And there is some interesting research around this, although I've got to tell you right now, it's not screwed to the floor. Like loads of people have ideas of what's going on with all that. And yet <laughs> nobody has really got to the bottom of it. So the thing that I found out first is that way back when in uh, 1890, there was a guy called William James who put forward a theory, which is I see it marked as the proportion theory or the proportionality theory. But basically when you're say four years old, one year is 25% of your life. When you're 80 years old, one year is one 80th of your life. So his perception was that we understand the passage of time based on the fraction of our lives that that period of time is uh, accounting for. So for a child, a summer holiday, the six-week summer holiday that we used to get in the UK when I was young, six-week summer holiday goes on forever. And I'm sure for my parents looking after me, there are elements of it that, yes, it felt like it was going on forever. And yet, for them as parents, now also north of 40, I realized that whilst the days may have seemed long, the actual overall period of that summer would have seemed quite short. And on the negative side of all this stuff, and I always cast a thought to this, anybody that is alone and is feeling that as loneliness, there is a difference between aloneness and loneliness. Anybody who's feeling lonely, the days are very, very long. And I think now about, you know, COVID-19 and, and what that's doing to us and the fact that we're all socially distanced. Um, I do remember at the beginning of this, there was a bit of a push to try and change the phrase social distancing to um, physical distancing. And that actually is really what we're talking about, isn't it? Physical differences uh, need to be put into place, different protocols. So when we go to the supermarket, we are separated from those around us to try and prevent the spread of the virus. But social distancing, it's actually social closening, <laughs> like getting closer socially is actually more important right now because the great worry is that people are alone and feeling lonely. So those days I know go past very, very slowly. And that's part of my experience at being at sea. But to get back to where we started from, proportionality, if you are, um, yeah, say in your uh, teen years, something like that, each year that goes past is a large proportion still of the amount of time that you have been alive. And actually there's some figures that kind of come around for this. If you just look at the decades, if you're between 90 and 100, a decade is only 10% of the time that you've been alive. If you're 20, a decade is half your lifetime. So we can start to understand a little bit what this guy, William James, was getting at, the fact that he wanted to try and promote the idea that we are judging the period of time that's going by based on how much time has already elapsed in our lives. And I think that there's something in that. I think that certainly when we are discussing things, when we are talking about things, there is perhaps a habit of discourse, a habit of thought patterns where we get way more used to discussing, oh, that was five years ago, that was 10 years ago. And, and those kind of numbers are thrown out there and maybe even thrown out there in terms of like a little bit of pride of like, oh yes, you know, it's just 10 years ago. And that may lead us to start to shorten those periods of time down and not really have the same connectivity and the same awareness of just how much stuff we packed into those 10 years. So I think we can, based on the back of proportionality, 
we can end up kind of talking ourselves down a little bit. But that's not the only kind of theory in this. And, and I saw all sorts of people discussing that online, and it kind of makes sense. I can see the maths. I understand how the maths work. But again, this guy, Veritissium, had a very important point to make, which is if you draw a graph looking at um, how much time one year represents to a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a 70-year-old, a 71-year-old, 72-year-old. Obviously, at the bottom of the graph, one year is a huge amount of time, and at the top of the graph, it's a very small amount of time. If you actually start to add up those proportions, you add up the area beneath the graph, you're actually halfway through your life at six. So it kind of goes along so far, but I, you know... It's a very, very sad story if you're halfway through your life at six. Now, what is important is obviously the way that things are going on inside our brains. And this is what I think has got a lot more to do with it. There's two elements which seem to be in play here. The first one is our uh, neural conduction velocity. And that is literally how fast our neurons are firing and how fast they're transmitting messages down the line for processing in the brain. Now. The neural conduction velocity decreases as we get older. Basically, our brains are working slower. And I think a lot of that is offset by the fact that we become more experienced at things. We become more uh, adept at particularly skilled tasks, which means that then we can still mix it up with the with the young people it's not like you know older people are somehow like off the scale and can't do anything. I played squash against some older competitors who just took me to the cleaners, which is not hard to do for anybody that's ever played squash against me. But clearly, uh, their neural uh, conduction velocity slowing down hasn't slowed down their performance. But it may be that our perception of time as our neurons fire slower, there is a corresponding um, increase in the speed that time seems to be passing by. And this is somewhat backed up by some experiments which have been done looking at how um, young people and older people perceive the passing of time. And it's super simple to do. Basically, you get a watch or a phone or whatever it is and uh, start a stopwatch. You're not looking at the stopwatch and you just make a guess of how long um, it takes for a minute to go past. And this ends up creating a pretty simple division between two groups of people. The younger people can pretty accurately judge the passing of one minute. And of course, I'm sure people are counting out the seconds as they're doing this. It's not just kind of staring off into space and trying to guess it. But even with whatever method you're doing internally, older people do tend to uh, uh, make a bad job of it. There's no other way of putting it. They, instead of a minute, you know, a minute and a half, a minute and 45, like people perceive time as passing at different rates. And that may be because internally their processes are going slower. So their perception of time going past is faster. Okay. The other thing which is going on inside the brain, which seems to have a lot more science behind it, where we can actually tangibly get results, is the fact that dopamine has been connected to our perception of time, our chronoception. And this has been done looking at rats. And the, I'm always, I'm, I'm a real animal lover, so I hate it whenever any kind of animals have had any kind of experimentation done on them. Like I wouldn't kill a fly, apart from mosquitoes, which all deserve to die. Well, mosquitoes and giant centipedes. If you've ever been bitten by a giant centipede, as I have, they are just the worst. So mosquitoes, and centipedes, they deserve to die. But everything else is all fluffy kittens. But anyway, they did these, um, they did these experiments on uh, rats where they removed parts of their brain, which really are all the kind of the, the thinking parts, and then they just leave their amygdala, very, very basic kind of, um, the most basic part of our brains, real kind of core elements. And within that, if they increase the amount of dopamine levels for the rats, then their perception of time seems to pass slower. Now, how do you get a rat to <laughs> show you its perception of time? The rats were trained to judge a period of 45 seconds to activate a mechanism that gave them food. If they correctly pressed the little button at exactly 45 seconds, then they were able to get a treat. So they had been trained to that already, and they're very, very good at it. Then when they have these dopamine levels messed around with and this stuff done to their brain, 
when you increase the dopamine levels, the rat's perception of time slows down. When you decrease the dopamine levels below base level, then you end up in a situation where the rat perceives time as passing faster. So what does that mean for us? Well, dopamine is a chemical which is released during periods of excitement, of uh, energetic uh, action, of fear. It's one of those things that's coming into play as part of our basic fight or flight mechanism, but it doesn't necessarily mean to be that we're scared. You know, going for a bike ride could do it. Going kayaking could do it. Um, even just being involved in a new dance class and having that the jitters, that's a dopamine release. And that seems to start to tie the science into our experience. The proportionality theory is great. And as I say, I saw a lot of people kind of putting it out there, but I really feel it's surface deep. Yes, it's how you talk about time. Sure, if you're six and you're waiting for Christmas to come around, it takes forever. But for the parents, obviously, they just seem to be snapping by. But that's because you've had a lot of Christmases and a lot of things are happening. But this dopamine thing, I think, is getting down to the base of it. And the, my, my perception of time going past is connected in some way to my levels of activity and my levels of fear and my levels of adventure and exhilaration. And within that, I feel like times of fear and times of exhilaration and adventure, they seem to pass by more slowly. They seem to go past quickly in the moment. But then when I look back on them, there's so much more to think about and there's so many more things going on that I feel like it was slower. So the question then is, how can it feel both fast at the time and then looking back retrospectively, it feels slow? Well, this is called the vacation paradox. And this has been talked about quite a lot in the literature. I'm going to steer clear of doing too much uh, uh, reciting like a bibliography as I go along. But it has been looked into and it clearly exists for all of us. Just think about your last you know, decent vacation. You went away, you arrive, you get to the hotel, you go on the beach and then you know, load of fun things clearly happened and you enjoyed your time doing whatever it was you're doing. And the next minute you're on the airplane and you're coming home. But when you look back, you remember the meals, you remember um, the exact way that the bus went or some people you end up talking to or that time in that store or a conversation. And there's a lot more information to look back on and review. This is the paradox, the vacation paradox. Now, what they're looking at is the fact that when, when we have high dopamine levels, when we're getting involved in athletic pursuits, um, getting involved maybe in things like uh, incredible musical performances, things where you're really operating at the boundaries of what you can do, dopamine levels are high and you enter a state which we call flow. And flow is a very interesting point, which is it's sometimes used as a word like, wow, it was, you know, the performance was really flowing along. That's not quite what we're talking about. Flow is a recognizable mental state where we are functioning at a very high level. And when our brains are in this flow state, they seem to lay down much richer, much more detailed uh, and much more vivid memories, which then when we look back on them, they are an incredible resource for us to dig through in a way that we just don't seem to be able to do on our everyday life. However, in the moment when we are in this flow state and you're playing the game or you're playing the musical performance or you're rounding the mark or whatever it is you're doing, we are very, very unaware of the passage of time. Things seem to be slipping past very quickly. So what we can, even if we don't necessarily understand exactly what process is creating this, we can definitely recognize the phenomenon and we can start to think about, okay, well, how do we then slow time down a bit, which is, of course, what we all want, um, so that we can have uh, more to look back on. The thing which seems to be apparent in all of this is that when the brain is not exposed to very much stimulus, when things are very much the same as they always are, the brain starts to shut down as much of its resources as possible. And that, again, is where I think we start to connect science to our perception and we start to get a deeper understanding. When we're being chased, when we're being hunted, from the theory that we've looked at so far, the brain is going to be putting a lot of information into memory. And that is then going to be available. So if you do survive the chase or the hunt or whatever it is, 
you are going to be able to review it afterwards in detail and potentially develop from it. That may be from the point of view of being the prey. That may also be from the point of view of being the hunter. If you can go back afterwards and review internally your hunting methods, it's going to make you a better hunter. So we can easily see that there is a selection advantage for those beings that uh, have brains which are going to lay down very, very good memories which are available for review and improvement of method afterwards. If you're unable to kind of work out why you know, <laughs> you only just slipped away from that predator the last time. Well, next time you're not going to be able to really review that to help you escape a second time. You're going to do yourself out of the gene pool pretty quickly. Similarly, with if you're in some kind of uh, threatening social situation, afterwards you may be able to review it and you may be able to understand how it started, how it developed, and then maybe avoid it later on. So, the understanding always with the body is that it's trying to do the least it possibly can to get by through the day. But it would be a very obvious thing and a very hmm, intelligent thing for us to take more note of moments when things are happening very, very quickly. Now, how fast are we thinking in the moment? Not as fast as you may actually think. Uh, if you look at normal kind of reaction times, and we've already said already that they do slow down as you get a bit older, it takes you about 0.1 of a second for you to make some kind of judgment about, let's say, where something is that's moving. But if you're talking like something like a baseball or a tennis ball or a squash ball or a badminton shuttlecock, they're moving at such incredible speeds that the amount of time it takes you to process what's coming in through your eyeballs uh, and connect that in any way to some kind of reaction from your hands, the information you have is already old and the thing has already traveled further along. And so you're trying to then make judgments about where it will be. So if the shuttlecock is coming across the badminton net, which is some of the fastest speeds that you see in any kind of sports, uh, anything that's you know, manually moved, the, the speed at which we are thinking about it, we are not aware of where it is when it's there. We're only aware of where it was, you know, a, a fractions of a second ago. And the speed that these things are moving at, they've already moved five or 10 meters in uh, a second. So we're trying to all the time judge where things were. So our perception of how fast things are happening is limited massively by our brain power. And yet, when we get into a situation where we are very, very fearful, like a car accident would be a classic example or something crazy happening on a boat, time does seem to slow down. Our brain starts to fire a lot faster because the dopamine levels are higher and we start to get into a situation where we are aware of things much, much quicker than we would normally be. This uh, sliding backwards and forwards on the scale of how much effort our brain is put in is, I think, from the research I looked at and from my conclusions from my own observation is the brain trying to be as economical with energy when it doesn't need it, but then this ability to step up and process at a much higher speed and get a lot more memory from that when it's required. And that fits in with pretty much everything else that we see with the human body. So with that in mind, <clears throat> how do we start to slow time down? Well, from this, dopamine is released, yeah, when we're fearful. It's released when we are um, in situations that are novel and new. It's also released in times where we are very, very excited. So one key step to making our lives feel longer would be to be in situations which are <laughs> able to make you fearful, sailing, make you excited, sailing, <laughs> and can be novel and new, uh, sailing, <laughs> particularly if you're doing it the way I do, where lots of things seem to be happening, which have never happened before. So I think that there is the possibility in this that we are engaged in a sport which we uh, can really get something from, which doesn't perhaps exist in other sports. Um, if you're a a motor racing driver. I imagine that period spent on the track, a lot of it looks very, very similar, of course, you know, chasing another car, uh, overtaking, being overtaken, going around the corners, you know, the, the best racing drivers really, really know the courses that they go around. But in the moment where things are very, very high stakes, we can imagine that a race driver may have a very different memory of the course. And if you watch 
Uh, I told you I've been kind of getting into NASCAR a bit recently. I've decided that it's the kind of motor racing that's most similar to sailing. You just basically tape everything back together and keep going. But when you watch the interviews afterwards, when the race drivers are being, uh, you know, talking to the, the presenters, like literally directly after getting out of the car, they have a very, very clear awareness of, yeah, it was turn three. And then this guy came down the outside of me and then my you know, offside corner clipped his near side corner. And they have this incredible detail, which I've just watched it. And I can't remember the detail. And this person has been going round and round and round for 200 laps or whatever it is. And they can remember every detail about everything. I think there again, we see like a little um, understanding of what this flow state does on the one side in the moment, it makes things go past very quickly. But in review, it gives you this ability to really kind of go back and dig through things. Now, another part of this is uh, a particular period of our lives, which seems to be between 15 and around 25, which is often referred to as the uh, reminiscent bump. Okay, And the reminiscent bump, it's kind of connected to that theory of proportionality that it's at a particular time in our lives where we are uh, still each year is a large percentage of the number of years that we have experienced. But so the theory goes that when we're young, time goes past slowly because everything is new and everything is novel and everything is a, a new first and everything is something crazy that we've never experienced before. That kind of essence of is starting to slow down a bit obviously we've been in cars and we've you know been to the beach and we we've we've seen a, a big shaggy black dog or whatever it is there's not that wonder and joy that we have when we're very very young but we've still got enough of that going on but we are starting to get involved in things between 15 and 25 which are a different kind of first and they occur at a time in our lives when we're still experiencing each year as a large percentage of what's going on and it creates very very rich memories and very very um, important memories to us which create an effect where those times are like the best times and I saw a number of commentators talking about this and I have my own experience to it when I was um, I guess 18, I went away to Hong Kong to work on a tall ship and I was in the Far East. And I can remember so many things about that, that, and I know that directly after I came back from it, I was a massive bore on the subject of Hong Kong. Like every single thing, we're having a cup of tea. Oh, I remember when we had tea in Hong Kong, like every single thing about it was so rich and yeah, we've all we've all been there, right? And, and you get it also when people have been on holiday and they just can't stop talking about it and they become an absolute, oh, you don't want to, I don't want to see your pictures. No, no, put them away, please, not again. But what is going on there? That reminiscent bump between 15 and 25 is another key part of the evidence of what's going on here. We are experiencing new things. Obviously, clearly going to a new country for me was new, but even if you're staying in the same hometown, those years, you know, are some of the richest and render some of the most incredible memories. And what are the things that are going on during that time? It's lots of new and novel situations which relate to personal identity. And that does seem to be another element in all of this stuff, which creates not only wonderful memories, um, that seem to occur in a particular part of our lives, but also gives us an opportunity to mm, work out a methodology which can give us more of the same. That's what we want, right? We want to we want to have a life which is full and is exciting, and we don't want to have days that zip by. Like with this COVID nineteen thing, what we went locked down in March, I guess. Yeah, so it'd be like the first week of March. But we personally in our house went locked down. And for me, the day seemed to be going past that bloody quickly that it's literally becoming, it's getting me angry. It's getting me um, frustrated. I'm somebody that if I don't get up early, I feel very frustrated about that. If I go to bed super early and waste loads of time sleeping, I get super angry about it. And I, yeah, I've met people who say, oh, I just want to have sleep and I want to uh, enjoy that. And it's a real gift to them. And that's completely cool. It's not me. <laughs> so getting into a, a, a circumstance now where I feel like the days are rushing past. I'm recording this now at eight o'clock at night. And because Nova Scotia is now, obviously, we're coming through to, you know, the middle of the year or in summer, the or very nearly in summer, the, the, the days are longer. So this eight o'clock 
I like what is going on? How can it possibly be eight o'clock at night? I literally got up like five minutes ago and that to be absolutely honest, pisses me off, which is why I've started to look at this as to what's going on. So what seems to come out of a lot of, yeah, anecdotal research, but it's still human beings talking about their experience. We still have to take that just because you can't bottle it and, you know, subject it to a scan with something or other and say, oh, this is it. It's still got huge amounts of value. And my internal experience is the same, that when you're involved in situations which are new and novel and specifically related to the development of your personality as a person, your personal identity, there is an incredible opportunity to recreate the same kind of weight and, and, and uh, sense of passage of time and the, uh, the, 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 the complexity and, and depth and, and, and focus of memories that you almost replicate what it was like to be 18. And I, I found a fantastic uh, TEDx talk, which was done by a guy called Jediah Jenkins. Um, he was talking about, you know, why does time seem to go past faster? And, and he's in no way a scientist or anything else. But what he did is at 30, he went and did a, a cycle trip. He cycled from, the, the, from North America, I think it was Oregon, if I remember correctly, to South America, like 10,000 miles, all the way down from, the, from almost the top of North America there, right down to the bottom of South America. And what he explained was this incredible oh, dilation of time that occurred for him where every day seemed to have so many things going on in it, so many new experiences, so many things that he saw that he didn't even know existed. Um, he said that when he set out, he really didn't know how to ride a bike that much. So he was like falling off the bike. And, you know, he had such a richness to his memory that uh, he, it was very, very clear. It had the same weight to it as the memories he had of going to college at 18, 19, 20. So that's kind of interesting to me because I've also had that experience. And that is what I've communicated to you during this series of podcasts. Like I have this incredibly rich and diverse um, set of memories. And obviously I didn't go into every single thing that I remember, but I can explain that period of time <clears throat> in a way that I, I could not explain the, the intervening years in the same kind of detail. Oh yes, I remember it was May and I just, I went to the supermarket and the, the, one of the lights was out over the deli counter. Like it's not gonna happen, right? But things that happened on the boat did. And because of the emotional turmoil I was going through, because of the danger, because of the boredom, because of the new and novel things I was getting involved in, the accidents, the, the, the flow moments when performance was incredible, I was laying down much, much richer memories. And that's why, you know, very clearly, if you go on a fantastic holiday and you lay things down, it suddenly has this weight to it that normal everyday life doesn't. And I think what Jediah was getting into is the fact that we need to recognize that our personal identity is not like a, a lake that we are filling up as we're growing up through, you know, our, our very young years and then 10, 15, 20. Like when, when, when have you become who you are? When's, when's that? You were, you were who you were when you were 21 and you got the keys to the house or whatever is the traditional idea of it. Not really. Uh, there's lots of things that happen afterwards that also massively affect who you are. The thing is that if you are engaged in a constant process of becoming who you are, then you allow yourself to be open to the concept of the fact that you may yet be on the way to some other version of who you are. And the experiences that you have along the way will be formative and will be important. And along with that, from what we've discussed, you will get these very rich very deep, very meaningful memories, which are dilated out so that they feel like they took a lot longer. Now, each individual day of the process is going to fly by. And they say, of course, time flies when you're having fun. So you're going to have both a life which is exciting to be involved in and it's flying by and you're having a great time. But then as soon as you stop to review it, there's huge amounts to review. Now, what's the alternative? What's the flip side of it? The flip side of it is kind of the big lie, right? The rat race, the settle down and 2.5 kids and all that kind of thing. You go to work, it looks the same. 
You go in your office, it looks the same. You talk to the people, they're the same people. You do the job, it's always the same job. You get in the car, you drive home, you always drive the same way home. All that stuff is lots and lots of massive alarm bells ringing in this situation because we know what's going to happen. Your dopamine levels will be low. It's all very similar. And so what the brain will do is it will just default into its kind of like safe setting and it will not lay down very, very good memories for you. It will not lay down very rich memories. So not only is it going to take a long time to pass by each day because they seem to be, you know, all the same, but they're going to feel very, very uh, uh, short in, in retrospect. So how do we title this <laughs> like giant tangent back to sailing? There's a couple of different elements here which I'm aware of. Number one is that since 19, no, sorry, since uh, 2009, when I kind of dreamt up um, with my team that the Spartan uh, color scheme and logo and all that kind of stuff, Basically, since then, without very much variation, most of the sailing I've done offshore on these kind of boats is always on a boat which has a bow which is painted the same color. It's either a red bow, a blue bow, an orange bow, and the back and the cockpit area is always gray, and sails are always pretty much white and a bit of branding here and there. You're looking up at a mast, and then you're looking out at the sea, and I don't know if you noticed, but once you're offshore, pretty much all looks the same. And anybody that sail with me will, and I, I think I voiced this in the podcast, I, I always say I have like four memories. There's uh, daytime good weather, daytime bad weather, nighttime good weather, nighttime bad weather. And that's because the boat always looks the same. The sails always look the same. The, the horizon always looks the same. So the major identifier is are the lights on or off, i.e. is it nighttime or daytime? And then is it raining or not? Obviously creates a very different kind of feel to things. And then once I've got like into that subsection in my mental folders, then we can start discussing, oh, okay, we're going from here to there or these particular people are on board. But I don't really remember everything that happens most of the time because it's very, very mundane. But then <laughs> when anything goes wrong, I can always remember what went wrong because I'm obviously internally like the hunter or the hunted. I'm trying to remember, okay, that happened. I don't want to do that again. This was a great solution. I need to make sure I'm ready for that the next time. So I've always got this kind of pull backwards and forwards in my brain, which is things that seem to be going past very, very slowly and things seem to be going past very, very fast. So as I try and tie all of this together and go forwards into this next big event for me, which is doing this solo nonstop west around the world thing, the first thing I'm aware of is this will be the first time I've gone to sea in the boat with the blue nose. Uh, you know, I've had uh, a lot of time on the deck of the boat and working on the boat. But when I brought it back across the Atlantic, it was just a kind of white, a white and a bit of blue on the deck. This time it's going to be totally different. So I know visually that any memories which have that blue deck on, I'm going to know it's to do with that boat. Um, setting off down the Atlantic uh, on the initial part of this is going to be pretty similar to a lot of other sailing that I've done, but I now have to start to think about how do I want to experience every day and how do I want to look back on the whole thing? Now, the very first leg that I did on the Velux race, a tiny little detail of it was the fact that I forgot the media uh, stuff which I was going to take with me, which was all the CDs and the, I think, DVDs at that time and my iPad and things like that. I didn't have any of it. So I know that the only book I had was The Heart of Darkness, <laughs> which is an interesting choice when you're on your, on your own in the middle of the ocean. And uh, Nina Simone, Greatest Hits. That's all I had. But I do also perceive that a lot of the memories from that were kind of more visceral in a way, and, and there was, seemed to be a greater diversity of them. I know that when I got to Cape Town, having made this mistake, I was totally um, uh, ready to go when I set off to uh, New Zealand with a big box of books, and, and I think there was um, uh, iPad in there and DVDs in there, and there was uh, graphic novels and all sorts of things for me to like, keep entertained with, because as long as you're very aware of the sales and you're sitting there, and you're engrossed in your book, there's, it's a great sport where you can be reading a book while you're, <laughs> while you're doing it, right? And even while you're doing it well, you can be reading a book. You can't say that of badminton. But I need to now think about, like, how do I want time to go past, and, and how can I affect that? The initial part going down the Atlantic is going to be very, very similar 
to lots of other parts of my life. So do I take my iPad and just watch movies to fill the in-between times? Well, if I do, like I've watched a lot of films. I love watching films. I can't believe that I'm going to be like watching loads of extra films that I've never seen before. So am I going to be writing? That was a good thing. Writing blogs, that was awesome to send those off the boat. Making videos, like last time we had a, a documentary that was done. So I was filming all sorts of things. I don't think they'll be happening this time, but I should still be filming them, right? We can put them onto YouTube and onto Patreon and those sorts of things. So I can start to think about, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to take loads of films. I mean, actually, I just literally uh, came out here now having eaten my dinner and I was watching Captain America for like the, I don't know, like 20th time or something. I always seem to have some movie going on in the background. It makes boring tasks fly past when you have distraction. Again, so, you know, distracted. There you go. I'm trying to use this. Uh, chronoception to my advantage to get through boring tasks like editing and doing paperwork by having something else that distracts me. But do I want to take movies with me on the boat? I'm starting to realize that probably not because this thing, which is going to be like uh, four months long, uh, if I'm going slowly or, you know, well, no, four months long. I tell, I tell a lot and get my own numbers mixed up. It'll be four months if I'm right on the button and, and I manage to beat the record. It's going to be five months if I hit the uh, the second record, like the, the number two ranked record, 155 days, and it'll be inside of uh, four months if I if I manage to beat it with any kind of uh, any kind of gap. So, how do I want those months to go past? Let's say it's four months. Do I want to look back afterwards and not be able to remember any of it? Absolutely not. Do I want to have it speed by in such a way that it feels pleasurable? Yeah, I don't want to be like. I can remember just getting so frustrated with myself that there was so much, you know, got to wait for, say you're crossing the Atlantic, the last podcast I did, there was lots of interesting things happened on that one, but it wasn't just those things that happened. There were also hundreds of hours spent just stood looking at instruments where the boat's sailing, it's going at high speed, and I'm waiting for the next weather forecast, I'm waiting for the next scared, I'm waiting for the next deck check or the next thing to happen, whatever it is, and you're just stood there. Now, can I create a positive mindset towards that time? If I have an awareness of chronoception, I have awareness of the fact that it dilates in and out, can I actually take some kind of pleasure out of just being? Well, that's the basis of meditation, isn't it? That's, that's moving your mind to a different place where maybe I can get into a flow state in, in meditation, which is good for my concentration on what's going on with the boat, good for my internal mental functions, because I'm similarly very, very aware of the fact of, you know, the, the uh, emotional trauma, which these things can, can wreak upon you with the, the sleep deprivation, and everything else. But instead of trying to distract myself through those times, can I actually can I eat them up? Can I, can, I, can I be doing things? Can I be, I don't know, uh, improving the boat as I go along? Can I have tasks that I'm going to do while I'm at sea? It starts to become something you can manipulate. And I think that's where my frustration has come around in the last couple of months with COVID is that there's been a lot going on uh, for me. There's, there's all sorts of things happening. But this thing of feeling the days flying past, I feel out of control with that. I feel like a victim of it. I feel like it's something I can't, can't get back, like I'm wasting things, you know? Like a, a man in the desert with a canteen that's got a leak in it. You, you just, how do I stop this? And I want to be able to take control of it. So learning more about what our perception of time is, the vacation paradox, uh, the state of flow, dopamine levels, how that goes up and down is something that I've become critically aware of. Now, sailing is a sport which seems to have many of the components which are, <laughs> are fantastic for making great memories, even if it's negative things like boredom and like fear and like uh, everything else. You're sitting on the helm for hours and hours and hours on a, a dark and nasty evening with rain coming down, dribbling inside your collar and all the rest of it. That does seem to be like a pretty crappy place to be. And you may be willing time to go past. But I remember there was a quote from, a, I think it was a, I think it was actually a motorcycle or a motor car journalist. I remember he had it tattooed on his arm. And I always thought, well, I might get that tattoo. It says, these are the days of our lives. 
I don't know if it comes from some song or film or something, but these are the days of our lives. It's a great way of looking at it. Each single one of them is incredibly important and uh, is going to be part of the story that we look back on. There's no time to waste any of them. If you've got kids and you can do something which creates memories for them, they're in a perfect scenario internally mentally the way that they're perceiving time anything that happens they're going to lap it up in a way that adults don't if it's creating family traditions of um doing particular jobs together or or engaged in particular uh, games or, or going to particular places a kid's brain is going to be lapping that stuff up it's going to have way more effect for them than it is for you and being aware of that can can lead you into doing things which is more for them knowing what the outcome will be but also one thing i've become aware of in all this stuff is the fact that our lives as we start to move forward with technology are changing in such a way that we need to be very aware of the fact that technology is like massively distracting us from the days of our lives the thing with technology is that it's meant to save us lots of manual labor. And I, I remember my mum telling me that uh, when her and her mother, my grandmother, who was born in 1900, when they got their first washing machine, they literally sat down together on chairs and watched the entire automatic washing machine cycle go through. They just sat and watched it because it was such a revolution for them. And it's completely understandable. It was just taking so much effort out of the day. And the, the story was always that these labor-saving devices were going to open up loads of new opportunities for us to do the things that really matter. Well, what are the things that really matter? I mean, everybody's got their own answer to that. It could be tinkering with a car in the backyard. It could be working in the garden. It could be animal husbandry. It could be being with your family. It could be painting. It could be whatever. But what are those things? The thing as we rush into a new world of technology is that a lot of what is happening with technology is distracting us where yeah the labor's been saved i no longer have to wash my clothes in the same way i don't have to wash my dishes in the same way i can sand something now in the workshop in a matter of moments that would have taken me you know an hour by hand yeah there's all sorts of labor saving devices but that time that's now opened up what are we doing with it well if I'm critical of myself, what I'm doing is wasting it by watching loads of movies and loads of uh, TV shows and things like that. Like I'm not like chronic here, but it's, it's something that I perceive. And I think that that distracted time is starting to become something that really troubles me that I'm not engaged in something that A, is worthwhile and B, is uh, gives me rich memories. Like the memory of the film that I watched last week like yeah okay even if I can remember like what what point is there to knowing that I might have learned something from it but you know I've watched Matrix a lot of times a kind of the amount of times that I'm not even going to tell you about because it's a movie that's just kind of always on in the background if I'm doing work but let's say it's over like 200 but if it's um I would imagine that I'm not got much from it <laughs> that is going to really help me in my life. So it's all kind of, I've distracted myself, well done, Chris, from whatever task I was doing, but I haven't actually gained anything from it. So I think that I'm getting to a point where I realize that the passage of time is a gift if I have the right attitude towards it. I think kids have got the right attitude towards it because they are so excited about everything and everything's new and novel. And what happens for adults is that we see the same programs playing out time after time after time, and then we're not really uh, taking any notice of them anymore. Even if there are details there that could be new, could be exciting, we're very interested in distracting ourselves so we can like let time fly by. There's a film called Click. It's an Adam Sandler film, and he ends up with this like remote control, which has been given him by Christopher Walken, who turns out to be the devil. Oh, maybe I have learned things from films. Maybe I have learned things from films. <laughs> but uh, Christopher Walken's character gives him this remote control. We can like fast through it through boring sections of his life. The problem is he ends up like very rapidly at the end of his life, having expressed through the whole thing, and has nothing to look back on, and realizes that he's cheated himself out of whatever life is. So. I'm very interested in how do I make each day meaningful and uh, get the most from it. So doing new and novel things, which are part of personal identity, seems to be important. Now, how do you fit that into a schedule? I'm trying to make 
the media output that I'm doing into something which has structure. It's not just the way it's been before, like, oh, it's Tuesday. Let me have a go at doing a podcast. The point now is that it needs to have a schedule, but can I stand in a different place and do it? Can I uh, do half and then mow the lawn and do another half? Well, I thought about it. Can I, can I get the things I need to get done uh, completed and yet do it in a new and novel way each day, which A, makes the task interesting and B, gives me new memories, which are new and novel and also gives me what I want at the end, which is you know a steady output. If you're working in an office, can you drive to work a different way? I knew someone who every night she would drive home in a different way. She'd be off exploring uh, little cul-de-sacs, little avenues, little turn off from the road. Every time there was something new and she learned her area where, where she lived, but she also had new and interesting opportunities to create uh, new memories. So is there a way to make things interesting and not get dragged down the cul-de-sac of modern technology of like looking at your phone? Okay, it's Twitter. It's uh, messages on Facebook Messenger. It's messages from uh, WhatsApp. It's messages on Skype. It's messages through SMS. It's the new news thing coming down through Flipboard, the new news coming down through Twitter, the new, like, holy moly, like what a fantastic way to, if you were going to, be put in prison for 10 years and you're like, I just want to get through this as fast as possible. The number one tool that you would want is a phone because the way that they are now, <laughs> you could just basically distract yourself through all of the waking period of the day quite easily and then uh, throw yourself into sleep of a nighttime and, and you'd buzz straight through 10 years. But if you go the other way and you actually want to save a life and enjoy it and note the passing of each day, how do you do that? I have another friend uh, John, John Healy. Hello, John. And he uh, wants to be up every day with the sunrise. So that seems like super, super simple. And he's a, you know, he's a, a fitness guy. He's a triathlete guy. Uh, those people, God, they're up all the time. They're so busy. Yeah, but seeing the sun comes up does really like mark the start of the day, doesn't it? Now you could say, I want to watch every sunset. Okay, no problem. Absolutely. We get to see a lot of that uh, on, the, on the ocean and um, it really does mark the passing of days. Something like that could be a way of like dragging the days out. For me at the moment with COVID-19, there's no particular reason I have to get up at like my particular set alarm time that I've always got up at. There's no particular reason I go to bed. So I kid myself into thinking, well, I'll get up later and I'll go to bed later and in between I'll get stuff done. But then in between that, there's no particular structure. So then I'm like, well, I'm going to watch a movie right now and then I'm going to you know, get on my phone and look at some social media stuff and like, holy mackerel, you know, there's that screen time function on your phone now. Like, I don't know how bad those graphs, how far back those graphs go, but I'm pretty sure everybody is doing a lot more stuff uh, through social media and that since COVID-19 hit, because we're all just kind of like trying to get through the day. If I think of all the time that I've had available, what I could have done to improve the house, improve the garden, all sorts of stuff, like it's exponential, but it's very easy to allow our brains to fall into what it wants to do, which is use less resources and less effort and kind of expresses through the slow times. So I think for me, what I start to recognize is that I need to make sure that the time I spend each day, I want to make the days feel short by filling them with activities which are as enjoyable as possible where I get into a flow state, where my dopamine levels are higher, where I'm experiencing new and novel situations, where particularly that are developing me at a personal level. I could go to a, I know, a dance class. I could try art. I've done that before. I've tried like painting things. It's hard because I'm an adult and I don't like to really get involved in tasks where I'm doing things I don't know how to do. It's very easy to slip into that kind of method of like forever not wanting to go back to being a student of things, but in being a student is the opportunity to have newer, deeper, richer memories because you are doing something which is uh, stretching you and is developing your personality. I want to have a life which, when I look back on it, is as filled with um, color and, and meaning as my 
reminiscent bump from 15 to 25 and as the period of time that I was at sea and I don't want to see my life as like a series of peaks and troughs where there's peaks of like oh that was really amazing I can remember everything about it and then like autopilot troughs in between I saw that on a number of these things people talk about autopilot and I think as sailors we're the ones that really understand what that means like the autopilot you put it on when there's boring bits at sea and there's nothing particular happening and then the machine sort of takes over and does your work for you that's what's happening when you're driving home from work and you can't remember the journey home like you're on autopilot how many memories do you have of that drive home like very very little and yet it was a period of your life and that's zipping past we want to make sure that there's always something new something different and that the days should fly by just like being on vacation and yet when we look back there's lots and lots to dig through so uh, chronoception, a very interesting area of human psychology and one in which I think as sailors, we really can get the very best from the equation. We can have very long periods of boredom, uh, lots of excitement, um, lots of new things, particularly if you're lucky enough to be engaged in some kind of cruising or, 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 or racing, which is very, very different. But I think across the whole board of it, the thing which I got from it is the fact that it doesn't matter if it's proportionality and, you know, it's a fraction of your years. If it's um, times of fear or whatever it is that's affecting, if it's your uh, speed of your neurons slowing down as you get older, none of this stuff in the end matters so much as being aware of it and taking the element of victim out of it and actually trying to physically do things. Like the other day, I, we started growing a load of um, sunflower seedlings, and I'm fantastic at starting all sorts of plants. You just sow the seeds, right, and spray water on them, and then, da da you've got stuff. But there's like this whole other step, which I've been fantastically crap at uh, taking responsibility for, of like having to pot them all up. And my hundreds of seedlings then require a lot of effort to to put into pots and to put where they're going to go next. But I did the task of repotting, and it wasn't that many, it was only like 10 or 11 sunflowers, but I did the task being aware of the fact that this is like, these are the days of our lives and these are the moments of our lives. And this time, you know, I, I had where, where the soil went and how the seed went in the thing or the little plant now, how he went in and then a little stick and like where it's going to go. And I really focused on it. I didn't allow the autopilot to kick in. And yeah, I haven't been great today. I, I, I watched a, a, a movie. Maybe I watched a couple. But um, what I did is I got up. I went out. As I realized, okay, it's getting a little bit late here. I went and mowed the lawn. I tried to really focus and be in the moment. I then come over here. I've done this. And I'm going to have to edit it afterwards, obviously. I think that's what's coming out of it. I think children are in the moment. I think when you're having an accident, you're in the moment. I think that when you're got a new love or, or, or whatever, you're in the moment. And if you start to stray out of the moment, allow your brain to do what it does best, which is conserve sugar. <laughs> if you let it do that, you could end up like looking back on decades of your life and not really having that much to show for them. And I think for me personally, that's something that petrifies me. And it, being aware of this subject is now giving me the opportunity to go into this next task I've got to do, this thing of going around the world. I was very, very worried when I started to become aware of, I did all this, these podcasts and I was telling you about the exciting things, of course. And I started to remember times where I'm literally in tears with frustration of like how long it is until I get anywhere, how long until this thing is over. Like how can I adjust the mindset going into it, which is going to make those periods relatively positive. And I think being aware of this subject and being aware of what is happening to me and the value even in nothing happening and trying to get something from that, I think going into the task with that in mind, getting up now each day with this in mind, um, what I'm doing is ending up back like pretty much <laughs> where this all started with the question, bigger questions like what is life? Do we live in the moment? Do we try and skip past the bad stuff? Do we try and skip past the, the bits that we're not, you know, really like super enjoying? Like you have to try and extract, even if it's walking the dog or if it's painting something or if it's, you know, there's, there's always an opportunity. You know what I've been doing the last couple of days? I've been trying to develop my strength uh, training back up. I'm not on the water very much at the moment. And so I'm trying to develop my strength. So I, I decided I was going to sling a rope from a tree and then practice climbing up and down this inch diameter rope, right? 
I went and had to climb a tree. Do you know how long it is since I climbed a tree? I realized it's like, it's like a long time. And yet when I worked for Outward Bound in Hong Kong, we'd be like climbing trees, climbing rock faces, climbing up all sorts of structures. Like I was known as somebody, they call me Malau Jai, which means monkey boy. I was climbing things all the time. So clearly when you're doing that and you're like hanging on by your fingernails to something you've decided. I remember living in China and the girls that lived next door to us were forever forgetting their key. So I used to climb out on the fifth floor across the air conditioning units and go in through their window and open their door for them. Like what happened to that? Now that was around, I was around 24, 25 doing that. Um, what happened to that person? Could he do that because he was stronger? No. Could he could do that because he was more flexible? No. Could he do it because, why was I doing that stuff then and I'm not doing it now? Oh, I know what it is. It's because I kind of got into a rut. I kind of got into doing the same things. And then isn't it strange that memories of that time seem much more kind of diverse and multicolored in my mind. And now I'm frustrated by the fact that days are flying by. Well. I remember going up the tree uh, in the last couple of days and my intention is to go up the tree again. <laughs> like, why not, right? Why can't adults climb trees? It's super fun. It was, it was good. It was good for me to do it. And I've got a little rope and I'm climbing up and down things. It's like, it's interesting to try and like fight this process of things flying past. It's interesting to recognize the importance of being super happy. There's lots of things now where we're looking at like how old are we likely to get? Like if you're healthy now, how long are you like expecting to be around? My mother died when she was 78. My dad died when he was 73. In the UK, that's like a fair innings. Here in Nova Scotia, that's, uh, that's unusually low. And anybody that passes away below like their 80th or 90th year, it's a travesty. It's, a, it's a devastating. Here, it is recognized that people, people are coming from universities in the US to try and study longevity here. So it's like, okay, fine. Let's say I've got myself in a good situation. My health is okay. I'm lucky. I don't have any accidents, although I keep putting myself in bad situations, but that I make it through. Like, I don't want to feel like I've expressed through. I want to feel like, and I've got nothing to remember. What I want to feel is like each day was really, really fun. And that each year was filled with memories. I want to reverse the thing. It's a, a, a statement, a kind of a, thing which came up there's a book called the happiness project by gretchen rubin and she says the days are long and the years are short is the call of older people well i think my task and a sailor's possibility within the, the, this thing that we do is to make the days short because we're flowing we're enjoying them they're exciting and then when you look back on it the years are long so there's the challenge. How can you do something tomorrow which changes things up, makes a new memory, busts things apart a little bit, and gives you some other little component which makes life feel longer in a very positive way? <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope you find it vaguely interesting, this stuff. Like, for me, like these, these core elements of it, I, I will say this before we finish. I'm always like, I, I never get everything in an order. I, I really should write a script or something. But one of the things I noticed is that when we do the, the Spartan stuff now, we do um, three-hour watches. And I have discovered that it's something that people that are coming from non-sailing, non-military, non-whatever-it-is background, that it's much easier for people to jump into a three-on, three-off schedule and, and be functional, you know, be you know, able to deal with that and not be physiologically kind of and psychologically blown apart by being on the boat. That's not the idea. But I do recognize and often say to people, it's like living on Mercury. I'm not sure if that's actually a fair scientific representation, but I feel like it's just that days and nights are passing by very, very quickly, like ridiculously quickly, uh, because I'm awake for three and I'm down for three and awake for three and down for three, and then everything looks the same. And if there's nothing going on, then basically it's all just blurring past. Like I want to undo that. I want to have it in my bag that I know how I can do that if I need to do it, if something really is like bloody miserable. Or I can change things up and I can make it that each individual part. And it's interesting when you get into the basis of things with people doing meditation, with these older religions, looking at... Uh, you know, centering yourself and developing an awareness of who you are and developing 
your identity and your awareness of your position in the universe, a lot of it is about living in the moment and about centering yourself in meditation and about savoring each passing moment. And when I recognize that you've got a very long, many thousands of year history of people saying that, you have this anecdotal evidence of people saying, wow, things just seem to be flying past. You have personal evidence of like knowing that time can dilate in and out. And then you've got this science of the dopamine and the changing velocity of our neurons. It starts to make me think that this is something that is not new and there may be methods of uh, making it a tool and not being a victim to it. Oh, I can hear the cat is meowing outside. So he's obviously telling me it's time for me to stop harping on and uh, filling your time with my uh, my thoughts but uh yeah it's uh interesting times at the moment with COVID-19 I really feel for anybody who is uh, stuck on the wrong side of the equation and stuck feeling that the days are long and the years are short or uh anything that any of us can do to help anybody that's stuck alone at the moment is uh, is very very important and I would urge you to do that if you can but for yourself as well make sure that you're doing whatever you can to make each individual day as uh you know as meaningful uh, as you can and uh yeah let's all get the very best out of this odd situation and and recognize that sailing is a fantastic method of uh, making the days of our lives as meaningful as possible well as always wherever you are and whatever you're doing i hope that you are safe and sound and i look forward to speaking to you in the next one where hopefully in between, we'll have all made lots of new, exciting, and rich memories that we can look back on with happiness. Cheers. Cheers.